welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning experience here at Epiphany Fellowship Church. I am thankful and excited that you decided to tune in today. It is wonderful to be able to gather as best as possible, even with all of the circumstances that we have on, all of the, all of the challenges that we have on. My desire and my passion is that we'd all be together soon. I'm praying in that stead, in that reality, and I know you are too. I get to see different ones of you on social media and get to kind of visit you on social media and see what's going on with you. So I'm trolling the congregation. So if we're friends on social media, uh, I, I, I come to this page and look at you because I miss each and every one of you. And great to see that many of you are living life, enjoying life, maximizing life, still working and still living in God's favor. That's the hope for all of us that we walk in God's favor. Speaking of God's favor, Next Sunday, family, we will be celebrating 14 years. We're going to do something different. So we're going to have uh, a a, a field. The field is going to be a little bit different. You know what I mean? So it's going to be great for us coming together and celebrating all of the great things that the Lord our God has done uh, to get us to this point and to impact uh, ministry. Um, Those of you, those of you who are uh, continue, I want you, we want you to continue to pray about our building project. We're still moving forward with that. Um, we're building with different community leaders in our community because one of the one of the uh, requirements of our purchase to be able to do all that God has called us to do, uh, we're supposed to meet with different community leaders, which has been very, very good for us, very, very helpful for us so that we can get the buy-in of the community. Also build good relationships with people in the community that are in that sector of our city where we'll be building, developing relationships with and having partnership with over time that it's going to be a blessing because our community now will have a ton of ownership and our ownership stake in what we're trying to partner with our neighborhood with to, to, to for us is to proclaim the gospel and practice the gospel um, for, 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 for many of them it's just to build a better life for themselves but we want to show them that Jesus Christ is the one that helps with that so those of you who have been giving those of you who have still investing in the building project please still do because we're going to have more work to be done and we're look, everything's looking great but we just need to get some buy-in from the community in order for who we're purchasing it from in the city to be able to be able to affirm that we're not just developers trying to make bread, but we're people trying to build the kingdom. Well, for them to make the community better. And so we'll say we'll take that. So keep that lifted up in prayer. Um, let's dig in today. So we're back in our series uh, today on uh, ordering the church. I know we abandoned that series months ago. That's never happened in the history of the church. You know me. I'm really uh, OCD about finishing our series. However, when there is a cultural issue that is a challenge in our milieu, we must take the particular time to preach an in-season, and, and like my charismatic uh, a background would say, a rhema word. You gotta have a rhema for the people, a, a, a word in season, amen. A, a kairos word, you, you, gotta have, you gotta have a word in season. And so we wanted to engage uh, really where you were emotionally, many of you, 
but not only where you were emotionally, also be willing to engage what some of the things that are happening in our culture that's devastatingly uh, obvious that it needs to be addressed. And so we wanted to address it from the Bible, not just out of emotions and anger and intellectual fallacies. A to the doggone men. So now we're back in order in the church. And so you might as well turn over to First Timothy chapter 2. We're in verses 9 through 15. We're in verses 9 through 15. Uh, uh, um, 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 and as we read this, make sure y'all stay with me. There's some good stuff in here, whether you like it or not. Repeat after me. All all, all, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine. Let's get it, family. Here we go. It says in verse nine, it says also women, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls or expensive apparel, but with good works as is proper for women who profess to worship God. A woman is to learn quietly with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. I want to talk about today uh, in our Order on the Church series, a word to the women. Women, come back. I want to make sure you're with me today because I know um, that there's some itching and some uh, uh, challenges on some side. Or you saying, what in the world is Pastor Finn to talk about today? Well, stay with Pastor today. God bless you. God, Father, we thank you that um, your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our pathway. And so God, I pray that you would speak, that you would speak so that we can understand what are the transcendent principles in this passage that are pertinent for our development as Christian men and women to understand what order in your church and even the home looks like. Let the words of our, my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus' name, amen. A word to our sisters. You know, if I'm honest, whenever I deal with a text like this, <laughs> I get a little bit nervous, if, if, if I'm honest. Um, not for fear of man necessarily, somewhat, you know, but being misunderstood. You know, one of the things that I, I get concerned about is the pulpit being misunderstood. But not only the pulpit being misunderstood, but God being misunderstood. You see, sometimes reading scripture and getting in the word of God and you read passages and you don't, you're trying to figure out what in the world is really going on. Um, sometimes you can misunderstand God if you read your cultural assumptions into the text without allowing understanding God. But then on the other hand, it's not just reading cultural assumptions in the text. Sometimes it's an unwillingness to accept what, what God puts in his word into our life because we're more influenced by what's going on out there versus what's going on in here. But, but, I, but I want us to be very, very careful, all of us, this is this including me, or, or, or wishing one of the things that um, I, I kind of sometimes feel, I said, why, Holy Spirit, why y'all had to word it like this, you know? Because uh, it makes it exegetically and biblically crazy as I have to communicate these things. But 
God does all things well, and we have to clearly, rightfully, clearly and rightfully divide the word of truth. So, but in order to be faithful to God, the word, you and I must deal with every single verse in the Bible. And so that's what we're going to do today uh, with Christ at the center, with gospel at the center and uh, and uh, 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 looking heavenward in the way we look at things. You know, in a text like this, I usually reach out to a few women in the church who I respect and kind of ask their opinion because they're in the Bible and they probably spend a lot of time engaging either culture or women or reading. And I and I and I ask some sisters, what, what are some pitfalls that as a pastor that I can avoid and, and you'll understand some things about this as we move forward that because one of the things I want to be careful of as well is me because a lot of times we talk about the woman being influenced by culture but I want to be careful that I'm not influenced by culture negatively in how I view the text and how I understand it because of something that's more of a preference a personal preference versus a biblical principle so one of the things that I did is I asked the sisters I said yeah this is what I'm preaching on this the I, I, I said this is the first passage we're landing on back in the series um, I know it's been a lot going on. I know it's a lot going on in culture and a pass and a passage like this can kind of trigger things uh, in me and in women uh, in the church as they listen to it and even men as they listen to it. And so I want to be I'm taking this time because I want to be healthy. This is what one of the sisters says. She says women who don't have a strong grasp on the totality of the biblical message see this scripture in isolation. This is, this is brilliant, very brilliant. She says, this passage can never be appreciated as a part of God's immeasurable love and care and purpose for women if you don't see that throughout scripture. So that's gold. This needs to be written somewhere. The compassionate preacher, she said to me, knows we can't read these scriptures without the influence of sexism, but women and men need to know they are often mishandled and used to prop up sexism, but these words were not inspired by sexism. It's powerful. I think that that was a very, very helpful uh, uh, soliloquy, if you will, to help me to think through this passage, because there have been a lot of abuses of this passage. Um, there have been a lot of abuses of women in how scripture is interpreted. Um, everything from, you know, abuse, neglect, subjugation, hyperchastisement, uh, uh, and, and even telling women, you got to wear, you know, gotta, we'll, we'll get on clothing later. But I, I, I want us to understand that this has the, the, the context of this passage is mainly in the context of the local church and local church governance. If you if you don't get that framing out and understanding the nature of the passage, you'll run in this passage uh, without getting what Paul wants us to understand. So first point, if we are going to wreck if our sisters are going to hear and there is a word to our sisters, number one and only point. Are you defining womanhood based on the word or the world? Real simple. Are you defining womanhood based on the word in the world? Now, I'm saying this in the context of the church 
local church application of this and the and where this is in the passage, I just think it's very, very important for us to recognize that a lot of it comes from our worldliness or biblical illiteracy in wrapping our minds around biblical concepts. And so in starting our passage, I think it's helpful for me to read what a sister said. She says, so a woman, um, she said, a, a woman, it's an article on Desiring God about this, right? A woman who only considers the boundary asked how far is too far is really asking the wrong question. <laughs> this is interesting. I want to preface this with this. A better question should be, do I love what God loves? Do I treasure what he treasures? Does what I do with my self indicate that I treasure the things of God and how can I best honor Christ and how I engage the scriptures and life. I love that. So verse nine says something interesting. It says, also the women are to dress themselves modestly. Well, in this passage, it's in the context of the local church because in verse eight, we saw when we were in this passage last time, and when we were in the verses one through eight, that it, but it was talking about when we gathered, particularly our official gathering together, talking about praying for kings and for, in our case, presidents and governing leaders, if you will. And then it went all the way for, uh, I want the men everywhere to have their hands lifted. In other words, uh, uh, without, uh, uh, com uh, without disputing and complaining. In other words, the men in the passage were disputing in the congregation. So there were a lot of out of order things going on in, in Ephesus. And because all of these out of order things were happening, it was spilling over into how they gathered, <clears throat> meaning there was a lot of disorganization going on. And so Paul said, I left you there, Timothy, chapter one, verse three, in order, listen, to teach certain people not to teach uh, uh, t t strange doctrines. And so one of those things is those strange doctrines, d bad doctrine always leads to bad practice. Always. And so that affected even how they came together because where there's doctrinal dissension, there's always going to be disunity and fighting and backbiting. And so here, he's already addressed the men and jammed them up and he's going to address the men again and again and again throughout the book. But he, but he carved out two sections, one in chapter five and one here to specifically address the sisters. Now, he, in addressing the sisters, all of this, remember, these are the pastoral epistles. So it's, 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 it's connected more to the governance and order of the church in its specificity. So when we talk about, um, you know, women to dress modestly, this whole idea, uh, 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 the, the word modest is our word cosmeo. <laughs> well, we get our word cos medics from or cosmetology. Last time I said that word, I said cosmopology, but this time I got it right. Cosmetology. Uh, and and, 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 it, and it, it, it talks about, it, the idea of the word talks about proper arrangement of something. 
So when, when, in the context of this passage, when he's saying, he's saying, I, I, I want the women to dress themselves modest. It means proper arrangement. And so what we don't, what we're not, a lot of times when you hear modesty, you hear, I'm going to put a dress up to my neck, to my ankles, and it's going to be real, real baggy, and, and that type of thing. That That's not necessarily mean proper arrangement. Modestly, it's very, very important. But one of the things you got to recognize is he's, he's mixed. I meant to mention this earlier. Everything so far is very gender specific oriented. Before this, you had uh, uh, the word specifically for men. Here for women is very specific to women. So it's not everybody. It's not general human beings in a feminine way it's saying it, it's speaking specifically to women about modesty. That doesn't mean that men don't need to be modest, but that wasn't the issue in this passage culturally. We'll talk about that at some point, not in this message. He says, so uh, dressing themselves modestly, of course, points to proper arrangement. So what does this mean? Now, what doesn't this mean? This doesn't mean you, this is a license to be homely. Eight of the men on steroids, somebody. This doesn't mean that you go around and you, 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 you know, the Bible says, you know, and, and you walk around and, and I'm not talking about people who can't afford. I'm not shaming anybody. I know we're in a pandemic. Some folk can't get their hair done because, you know, quarantine ministry, whatever. It's, it's just I'm just saying what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean it's a license to look outwardly crazy. I'm not trying to be mean. Pray for me, though, as this goes on, okay? It doesn't mean the neck to ankle dress. This, this is not a verse for no makeup. It's not what this passage is talking about. Act to the all. Um, and it doesn't mean dresses only, like, you know, not wearing what's pertaining to a man and, you know, the whole, you know, thing where certain churches, holiness churches, you know, don't believe that women should wear pants. And this all, that has nothing to do with this passage. So, 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 so let's, so, so, but what does it mean? It does mean be careful. It doesn't mean careful, you know, based on your body type, I'll let you ladies discuss that. I don't need to describe women's body types, but some of you have certain body types where you have to be extra careful at what you allow to come into the gathering, amen. Specifically, it's talking about the gathering, okay? We ain't talking about the beach, but we can talk about what's appropriate, but that doesn't have anything to do with what this passage is about. This is talking about coming to the gathering. That don't mean you come to the gathering um, looking crazy, but it does, it does mean that you can come to the gathering with moderate dress and you can look nice. And we're going to talk about, actually, there's, there is an exegetical emphasis on looking nice in the passage, and come, but it's out of order to come in. And I'm talking about with the saved sisters. We're not, we're not going to be policing unsaved sisters th that come in. Well, that's, not, that's not what we're doing. When they come in, you let them come as they are. And we, in other words, we're not trying to pre-conversion disciple them into a sanctified external disposition without a chain soul. Okay? So that, that's not what we're going to do. We're talking to y'all that save and those of y'all that know better. A to the men in Jesus' name. So that means when we gather, and he's going to talk about that because a lot, because women in this time, particularly in Corinth, 
And you see it a little bit in Ephesus that when they became Christians, there were certain restraints on women in culture and there were certain freedoms in culture where they viewed Christ as freeing them from particular things. So they're free to do particular things that they want to do. But being a Christian, freedom, I'm getting ahead of myself, but freedom doesn't mean to lack restraint. Freedom, I know I'm preaching now, freedom is the ability to willfully put on God-ordained boundaries and see and trust God that what he set up is freedom, not in doing what I want to do, turning into freedom, because many of us think doing what we want to do is freedom. That's never, nobody can just do what they want to do and view that as freedom. My kids can't do that in my house. I'm a, well, I don't feel like I'm free. Well, you can live somewhere else. You understand? You know, but, 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 but the idea of freedom in Christ, for freedom he has set you free, woman of God. And you're free to be beautiful, but you're not free to do what you want with your physical appearance in gatherings and beyond, right? So it should be, you know, modest. I like one commentary. It says, having characteristics and qualities that evoke admiration. Does what you wear, and now, now somebody can take that the wrong way, <laughs> but um, it, 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 does what you wear evoke admiration? Now we're not talking about, mm, 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 and, uh, you know, admiration. I mean, I can't, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Cause there's one sense where you're not coming around in the church, and I'm talking to those who, we're not talking about describing you in relation to men, but for those who want to be married, you should look good coming to church. You should look fine coming to church, but, but you shouldn't be revealing. There's a thin line between I look good, but then you, 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 you know, uh, working out the fineness of the details. Amen. So there's it, nothing wrong with being Admirable, but this admirable is more with the content of the character and how the content of the character shows itself up in you showing restraint. All right? It should, but it should evoke delight, but the, also the idea of the word is respectability. Is respectability. Does what you wear invoke, man, I respect her? Because some, because some people, with what you're working with, I'm being very you know, gracious in my terms. With what you're working with, being gracious is knowing that you're working with it and figuring out ways to not show everything you're working with. Okay? So, um, so, 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 so we're talking about the suitability and beauty of that, right? That's why 1 Peter 3, 3 says, your adornment must not merely be external. Braiding of the hair, we'll talk about the hair, whole hair thing, because this is so taken out of context. Uh, 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 wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, right? Even though, anyway, yeah, we, we, we want to be careful with that, right? But I can't, one of the things I can't tell you how mind-blowing it can be the response over the years that I've gotten from actual Christian women when it comes to preaching a passage like this that contains exhortations. Just, and I know that there are ways that women need to talk about this in your own circles where you need to work through the nuances and all of those things, right? <clears throat> but, but, but there should be a, an attentiveness for you as a woman to say, if, if this is in the realm of godliness, 
How do I live as a godly woman in how I present myself in gatherings where the brother, I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I, see, listen, the Bible isn't against a man looking at a woman and being attracted to her. That's in Genesis, right? That's in, uh, that's several times in Genesis. And they're healthy ones and they're unhealthy ones, right? Throughout the Bible, there's nothing, Song of Songs is, I mean, that's in the context of marriage, but which, I mean, God knows, God created attraction. He created, he noticed that. But there's, there, there's one sense of that, but there's another sense of creating something that goes over the board. So Christian people, we need to be committed to walking in a sense of restraint as a sign of freedom. And so we're going to talk about that in a second, right? So when we look at this idea of modesty and working through the whole idea of modesty, in verse 9 it says, should be modest clothing with decency. Um, the, the, the word can be translated self-consciously modest. So it's like modest, but then self-consciously modest. Decency is that that's the idea there. Self-conscious timidity about being careful of saying, I want to be attractive as a woman, but I want to be careful of what, what overt attraction can do to my brothers. Because I want my brothers to worship God, not me. In other, in other words, when it comes to the gathering, uh, the gathering is for the saints to gather together to worship God, not look at you. Now, there is a look at Eunice that's going to happen because there's nothing wrong with a brother saying, I think she's attractive and I would like to approach her to marry or whatever. Or just saying, I, I just think she's attractive. Nothing wrong with not saying it to everybody, brothers. Like, you're attractive, huh? sister, you're attractive. Today. Like, you wilding. Like, brothers, chill, right? We're just talking about... Um, just in general, just the idea of, oh, okay. Um, uh, uh, because looking crazy can be just as a distraction as looking too great. <laughs> Amen. So, 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 so that whole idea where a woman's godliness always makes her in a way not hypersensitive, but in a way where she thinks through, man, is this doing, is this doing too much work? <laughs> you don't understand what I'm saying. You know, is it doing too much work? But then it says... The, the, the next one is and good sense. It's, it's kind of like saying the same thing in a different way. <clears throat> the idea of this word means having sound judgment in what you wear. It's having sound judgment, which means to be wise. You see that, 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 uh, the idea of that word in Titus, practicing prudence. But listen to what it says. It says not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, expensive apparel. Now let's talk about what this means. So when it's talking about hairstyles, in their culture, hair <coughs> was a massive deal in, in the East. And, and this is Turkey. Ephesus is in Turkey. Uh, so, you know, in that area of what we call Asia Minor, you know, hair was a big deal. There was, you either had your hair covered or if it was uncovered, like some women let their hair fall down to their shoulders. Uh, 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 it says, which fell down to the, uh, uh, the back of their shoulders and held an elaborate uh, hairdo, but they would have veils over part of their head, right? But it says only sh a shady woman, this is back then, not talking about now, only a shady woman or one in mourning 
would appear in public with hair untied or unveiled. So in their context, the principle is a woman making, a hair made a statement about something in your life on the side of women. If you were unveiled, many times they viewed you as a prostitute. Or you were, or you were a widow uh, uh, or someone mourning their husband for a season because they don't feel covered anymore, right? So, so, so that's the principle of that idea. But a woman just walking around with her hair uncovered, you know, uh, uh, you know, that wouldn't have been back then something viewed as a good thing, particularly in the gathering, because it's communicating certain things to men in the con congregation about the woman's openness to being with other men. Right. So <clears throat> today we have to be careful of saying, you know, don't have elaborate hairstyles. Hairstyles today isn't the same as it was back then. You could come in the gathering with a, a, a great hairstyle. You know, don't be too distracted now, you know, because I know, you know, we got some upgrades nowadays and. But, 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 but what this passage, let me, let me give you something very practical. This passage is not a boycott of beauty. That is not what this passage is. <clears throat> this passage is a boycott of being distracting. Th those are two different things because in other, wor in other words, it, 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 having, it, how do I gather with the saints? Well, all of us need to think about this, not just women. How do I gather with the saints and everything about me encourages everybody to look to Christ. Wow. What if all of us thought like that, right? That's the principle here. The principle is, how do I go to the gathering? That doesn't mean we don't wear nice stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But how do I make sure that what I look like points to Jesus? What I want to do in us coming together points us to Christ and sets our hearts and affections on him. That's, that's, that's the desire that we have, right? So it's about being careful to be a distraction. So what does it say in verse 10? It says, but with good works, this is what she should be. As, a, as is proper for women who profess God, it means the old idea of professing God means to fear him, to stand in awe of the reality of him, to take him seriously, as Tanakh would say, as Old Testament would say. For, so, so in other words, as a woman who takes God seriously, uh, now let's take it above clothing now. I want to take what God says about the order of women in the church seriously because it's not about what I feel, it's about my fear of God or my faith in God, right? <clears throat> so when you look at that as a reality family of God, we, we have to begin to ask ourselves the question, what in this text does it look like to fear God? Now, this is where, this is the I'm gonna get mad part of the passage for some of y'all, right? But I wanna break it down and help us all to see this in a very, very clear and multifaceted way that I think will extend the boundaries of cultural foolishness to be pressed out and canceled in our minds. Verse 11, it says a woman is to learn <laughs> quietly in full submission. So what was happening in this passage, what this passage is saying it's not that the women should all be quiet all the time in the church. I know somebody says, see, that's why I ain't a Christian now. 
Let me see this passage is something something different about it. So this is not today and all of that. Well, <clears throat> the idea of a woman being quiet in church is really more of a, 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 a disposition of humility. Um, and also there were probably women in, in Ephesus that when the doctrinal time was going on, <clears throat> they were attempting during that particular time to invade based on the context of the book. Chapter one, verse three, <clears throat> men were doing the same. Remember, that's why verse eight says submit and stop fighting, right? There were women also disrupting the teaching in the doctrinal moment of the church. And so he's saying, he told men, y'all lift your hands, women, y'all be quiet during that time. That's, that has nothing to do with saying amen. It has everything to do with disrupting doctrine going forth. That's what this passage is about. Then it says in full submission. Submission is a word that has been misused. Submission means falling into, and this is for men too, falling into your God-ordained place in the kingdom. That's really all it means. It's a military term for rank. Where's your rank? Function in your rank. Function where God puts you. And, and, and wherever God placed you, maximize it. That's the idea of submission. But submission many times looks like being under tyranny versus being under Christ. That's the big idea of submission. And so when we talk about this, it says in verse 12, this is the humdinger. It says, I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. Okay, so when we look at this verse, uh, and, uh, uh, th this is very, very important for us to understand. When you look at this verse and it's talking about, I do not allow a woman to teach. Him saying, I do not allow, is not him saying, this is personal preference, right? Um, that, that's not what he is saying. When he says, I do not allow a woman to teach or have authority over a man, finding this place in my notes, it's poor, the, the idea is f uh, having a, or assuming a stance of independent authority. Now, when we look at this idea of teaching men, it's not talking about teaching men at all times, specifically in the gathering where doctrinal standards are set. That's why right after this, it talks about the role of the elder. Now, when we talk about doctrinal standards in the church, this is what it means. This is what we as a church believe and must be fundamentally on the same mind on. Right. So we, we talk about doctrinal standards. It's not saying a woman can't teach a man. It's saying women can't set doctrinal standards in the church because what was wrong? Unsound doctrine was going forth. So you so, so, and there are other places in scripture where we can see that if 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 he was absolutely saying this, then it's a huge contradiction. So the, the idea is what the elders are supposed to do, which we'll see <clears throat> um, after anniversary Sunday is we'll see they're supposed to set the doctrinal standards in the church. The whole idea of what we believe about Christ. What do we believe about the kenosis? What do we believe about the two natures of Christ. What do we believe about the Bible and inerrancy? What do we believe about soteriology? What do we believe about sanctification? What do we believe about church structure? Those doctrinal setting things, right? <clears throat> and this is to be submitted to not only by women, but non-ordained uh, non, uh, men who are congregants. So this is not specific to 
just women, men aren't supposed to set the doctrinal standards if they're not elders. The issue is, <coughs> Paul is expressing challenge to doctrinal standards being set in the church by women. Now, someone to say, why can't a woman, woman got, we ain't even talking about what you can do mentally. We talking about what is God's design. <laughs> Let me say that again. It's not about, well, a woman can do this better than you. I mean, sometimes y'all can. Like, but at the end of the day, it's God's standards. And the question is, this is not misogyny. Somebody say, well, that's misogynistic. Misogyny has nothing to do with this because it's not saying a woman can't, doesn't have the fundamental ability to do it. God wants to show forth his strength in you by you willingly submitting to the ordained role that he's given you in order to set the tone for order in the church. The church is the only spiritual entity where there's always constant public fighting about the roles of men and women. I, it bewilders me in our city how, and, and this is not to knock Christian women because there are a lot of Christian women that walk in this in power and view it as an empowerment versus a dehumanizing aspect. But Muslim women are walking around with a whole garb. I, I mean, I just be like, but the men don't have to do that, but the women have to do that. They have to cover themselves. So, it, you know, they, they'll submit to a Hebrew Israelite women, the stuff they submit to, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but in the church, excuse me, in the church, um, in the church, it seems that there's, can, can be this pushback where a removal of function or a restriction of function can be viewed as a point of inequality, right? Um, I'm, I'm, there is, in other words, just because, listen, I, 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 I think that men and women in the church at their best is when they're functioning where God placed them. Now, based on the scripture, it's very, very simple with this reality. I mean, the Godhead functions based on order, function. The Father and the Son and the Spirit have different roles but the same essence, period. God the Father elects, God the Son saves, God the Spirit seals. It's not Jesus' job to seal us. It wasn't the Holy Spirit who became human. It wasn't the Father who became human. They didn't get mad at the other one because they had a role that they didn't have. Jesus didn't get mad because the Father elects. He doesn't. It's just the way it works. And the way Jesus sees it and the way the Spirit sees it is the Godhead works best when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But guess what? I'm equally God with the Father. Me not doing what the Father does doesn't make me less deity. Because we're one. See, that's the point of understanding, listen, the relationship between men and women, it has tri triune implications. Our role in community as believers, all of us have different body parts. If, uh, I mean, functions in relation to the, uh, our gifts. If you haven't been assigned that particular gift, don't try to do that gift. 
But does that mean because that person, that's 1 Corinthians 12, because that person has that particular gift, does that make them less a member of the body of Christ? No. It's just you're putting value on something for who you are that God doesn't put value on in relation to who you are. That's very important for us to understand. And so here when he says, I would not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, that's what he is saying, setting doctrinal standards. But for example, you know, <clears throat> these verses have been abused. And in many ways, I, 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 I say even ignored by some, they've been abused by some and ignored by others. I say these verses, you know, is, you know, some people think it puts the foot on the neck of women, right? But a lot of people don't know that even Timothy or pastors or leaders in the church had restrictions on who they could teach. <laughs> Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2, is given restrictions about how he relates to younger women. Says, tells him, rebuke, don't rebuke an older man sharply or an older woman sharply, but appeal to him as son of the mother. Restriction. Um, uh, next, uh, 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 do not rebuke an older man sharply, but appeal to him as a son to a, uh, 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 to a brother, rather. And then, to, to, if don't rebuke a younger woman sharply, but appeal to her as a brother with all purity. So then you go over to Titus 2. Timothy isn't told to teach the younger women. It said, I mean, Titus, he said, teach with accords with sound doctrine, chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> then that next verse says, teach the older men. Then the next verse says, teach the older women. Then it says, teach the older women to teach the younger women. It didn't tell Timothy to teach the younger women. Why? Because he had restraints put on him because he was supposed to teach doctrinal standards to the older men. He was supposed to teach doctrinal standards to the older women. And he was supposed to teach doctrinal standards to the younger men after that. But the doctrinal standards in the church in practical community or women's ministry or our application of that would be salt was the doctrinal standards that are set by the church under the authority of the doctrinal standards that have been set by the church the older women are to teach the younger women that's biblical church order family <laughs> i hope y'all are getting this today and so when we talk about this idea of laying this out this is very very important so not to have authority a woman can do anything in the church except for be a pastor that's it and I know hearing can't just ugh, some of y'all, but I say be free. I, I, listen to me. L anybody, listen, be free. You don't want this anyway. You don't want it. It, it, it look good sometimes, but it comes with more than what it look like. Um, <laughs> But this idea here is very, very important. Now, he gives a theological principle. I'm out your way. So I wanted to make sure I took my, I hope I took my time with this thing with y'all today because I really wanted us to get this. And so it says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. So what is he saying? He's using the order of creation as a way to talk about function. You know, the law of firsts, functions and order comes in this, right? And so, if this was only temporary, he made this a universal principle by going back to Adam prior to the fall. So that means it wasn't the fall that created order in the home and order in, uh, order in community, right? Order in governance community, but it's pre-fall. It was God's intention in the first place, right? And since Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. So <laughs> what is he saying? 
He is saying here that he wants women to be careful of being deceived by the devil that another way that they're called to function, listen, it should be viewed as a biblical function. It's very important because deception is something that the devil will use. The devil always makes you think <clears throat> that God hasn't given you enough of something. And when he makes you think you got, didn't get enough of something, it makes you stop thinking about what he actually gave you and maximizing it. That's what the enemy did. Did God say, why can't you eat from that tree? Why can't you? And that's what the enemy does. The enemy asks you illegitimate uh, 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 questions that lead to illegitimate outlets. That's what he always does. <laughs> but it says here, but she, was, she will be saved through childbearing. It's singular here. She, not they. She will be saved through childbearing. Talking about Eve. <clears throat> How was Eve saved through childbearing? It's not talking about salvific. It's talking about delivered from deception. Because Jesus was born ultimately as the seed. Genesis 3.15. <clears throat> it said, and then it says, and if they, talking about all women now, should be saved through childbearing if they, listen, continue in faith, love, holiness, and good sense. What does that verse mean? <clears throat> Simply put, it just means when you trust in Christ and what he's ordained you to do, you save yourself from deception. It's not talking about soteriological deception or salvific deception. It's talking about practical deception about who you are as a woman. That's, that's what the verse means. I hope you see it. It went from singular to plural to let us know what that means for everybody in relation to this passage, right? But let's look at a few things and then I'm out your way. Um, so, you know, women all over the Bible had capabilities in doing all kinds of things. Listen, I'm going to name some women. They'll put them on the screen. Women being used in other capacities. You got Deborah the prophetess, Judges 4 through 5. She prophesied. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about women prophesying. <laughs> if you got the gift of prophecy, it needs to be submitted to leadership just like anybody else. And the, let the subject, let the uh, spirit of the prophets be subject to the spirit of the prophets, right? You had Anna the prophetess in Luke chapter 2. Since some of y'all say that's the Old Testament, look in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. You got Esther, the deliverer, you, in, in the book of Esther. You have Jael, who uh, helped out Israel as a Gentile in Judges chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. Mary Magdalene, the witness who first preached and did even engaged in uh, uh, letting the apostles know they were, she was the first to see Jesus resurrected and communicated. So it, 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 that's the, one of the greatest things. Shoot, a woman got to see him and be the first to tell the apostles that. John 20, 11 through 18. Miriam, the prophetess. You know Miriam was a prophetess? Exodus 15, 20 and 21. The woman at the well, John 4, she went and told an entire town of Samaritans about Jesus. They came and got saved. <laughs> Mary, mother of Mark, was a hostess in Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 17. <clears throat> she was a Cyrenian Jew from North Africa, hosting people. Uh-oh. Some of y'all got that. Phoebe was a church leader in Acts chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. 
You see, uh, you see uh, Priscilla, the missionary and evangelist and disciple maker in Acts. You see it, uh, see it in Acts. You see it in Acts 20. You see it all the way through. You see, you see so, so, so we're not saying that women don't have the ability to teach, the willingness to teach. We see women teaching men at times and children. We see Priscilla with her husband, Aquila, under his authority, uh, uh, correcting already set doctrine in engaging him under her husband. Very different, right? See how that works? So this is very, very important things that we must understand. So women are free to do anything except the role of the elder in the church, okay? But she's free to do so many other things. But listen, Jesus in the incarnation family gave up privileges and submitted to the Father's will. <laughs> Jesus, the Bible says, he didn't view equality with God a thing to be grasped. Why? Because he already knew he was equal with God. He knew that he set aside independent use of his attributes for his incarnation for 33 years. Without, he didn't use them without the Father's permission. He's God, but had to get permission to use his deity But in his, in, his, in his incarnation, he set aside the willingness to do that in order to be fully human for a greater good and a greater purpose. Jesus Christ submitted to the order that the, God, that the Father put in place in order to do the thing that we all needed and that was to save us from our sin. And guess what? Guess what, family? What can we be saved from if men and women in the church submitted to their role? If men got into their ordained places in the home, all of them. Whether single or married, we're not just talking about in relation to marriage. We're not just talking, we're talking about just men being men. Sensible based on Titus 2, right? What if older men fell into their place of dignity, Titus 2 says, what if older women matured, didn't just dog the younger women, but found ways to grow spiritually and connect to proper spiritual outlets and were a healthy, non-toxic place for younger women to get discipled. What if that happened? What if women didn't have to drag men to church? What if, what if, what if, what if guys that, that end up coming to church didn't have to date a girl just to come to church, but he came to church because he wanted to, right? Listen, we're talking about order. We want all order. It's not just this, it's everything falling into its proper ordained place. Ephesians 5, 21, submit one to another. Submit to where God has placed you. Teach one another, exhort one another, spur one another along to love and good deeds. That's what men and women in the community are supposed to do. We're supposed to encourage each other and point one another to the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I hope I hope that that was helpful for you. Um, I hope that you can go back, look at scripture, listen and form a bibliocentric opinion about this. Let me tell you something, idea about it, not opinion. I have friends that differ from me on this. I didn't lose friendship with them. Um, I still have a relationship with them. So this is not a deal breaker when it comes to friendships and fellowshipping with other churches. I, I have female, Friends that are pastors, 
It's not a deal breaker for my friendship with them. I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to go out and the, the center of our conversation is going to be about their role in the church. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to love them and treat them like a sister in Christ. As a matter of fact, in our neighborhood, if we all have to march together and we're out there and a female pastor is out there in front of everybody, as far as the world knows, we on one page. I'm going to call her pastor whatever, reverend whatever. Why? Because the world, it ain't the world's business what we got to work through as the church. That ain't got nothing to do with none of that. So we're not parting with believers and saying they're, they're all, they're going to hell. That's not what we're saying. We just differ on a non-essential doctrine. So anyway, love you guys. Hope that's helpful. One of the ways that we always show our unity every time we gather is through communion. Communion is a time where your title goes in the, in the toilet. <laughs> Who you are in the world goes down the drain. Communion is a time to celebrate that in him there's no male, no female, no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free. None, none, of, none of that matters. But the only thing that matters, family, is that we know him. And that he died for us and brought us into one body, the sheepfold together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal and the bitter herbs, he said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Let us drink together. Amen. Don't forget next Sunday, we celebrate 14 years, family, together. Man, I'm so excited and I'm glad we're going to be together. See you then. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. I pray for your people that you would keep your people safe and those who need healing, healing, those who need breakthroughs, breakthroughs, those who need provision, provision, and those who need uh, 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 their part soul rewarded with the rivers of living water of your presence, will you do it? Now unto him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. God bless you. Take care. Love you. By God's grace, see you next week. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.